what does it mean to be humans? I think lots of cyborg, alien um, sort of films that fall in this genre ask that same question, that it's become cliche. And I think this film actually challenges that. And I don't think the film is about what it means to be human. I think it's about what does it mean to be beyond human. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of The Tilt Shift. Um, on today's episode, we look at Blade Runner 2049. I'm here joined with my co-hosts, Jake Francis, Charlie Pimentel, and I'm Chris Jacoby. I guess I'd like to start with the, my background with Blade Runner. Is that okay? Can I yeah, man, get, in, get into so, it. So I guess I can say as much as one can with a movie, I grew up with the original Blade Runner. So this was, along with um, just looking at early, early science fiction and being utterly fascinated with it. Of course, there was Alien, there was Blade Runner, there was the Terminator series and those, and just this idea of, you know, this film noir type movie mystery, what's the deal with Deckard? Is Deckard a replicant or not a replicant? And I guess I'll just say that I really, really enjoyed the sequel, this Blade Runner 2049. Um, there was a lot of room to get this wrong right and you, you just you didn't know what what it was going to do and um i was really happy when dennis villeneuve was like the director and he put it together and i watched it and there was enough newness it, it worked that balance of enough newness uh but then also enough connections you know to the evangelist score oh, to yeah, yeah to so the good. yeah to the um the use of corporate logos, right? Mm -hmm. Like, which is a lot of the, and then just keeping that world and then extending it forward. I, I didn't see the original one, um, until fairly recently, um, recently in like maybe the last 20 years, not when it came out and not anywhere near that time. I actually read the novel, why uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? Uh, by Philip K. Dick, which is what the movie's based on. Yeah. I read that in, in university before seeing the film. And um, I liked the novel. It was all right. And uh, then I saw the film, and I also thought it was all right. I wasn't, like, blown away by it or anything. Um, but when I heard that Diddy Villeneuve was taking on Blade Runner 2049, I was like, yes, I'm in. Like, he, everything he touches is gold. Yeah, I was also really into it at the time. I, I, that I saw it the first time was like it was two years ago, twenty seventeen, and I, I, I loved it because I was also deep into the concepts of transhumanism and the posthuman, um, which I thought the movie explores, which I think the movie explores, uh, really well. I well going back to the original, I, I saw this because uh, my my good friend growing up, his brother had a poster. In, in his room and mm -hmm. I thought that just that looks really cool and I wanted to know like what's a Blade Runner <laughs> that, was, that was my that was it and and I what I discovered at age 13 or 14 was that I wasn't sharp enough to get the movie <laughs> I wasn't ready for it mm -hmm. at that at that time and had to watch it years later to, to sort of appreciate it uh, so I remember sort of thinking like oh I was like outsmarted by Blade Runner my first my first attempt at it uh, and then w with the new one I really 
I really wanted to love it, but I found myself mostly appreciating it rather than actually being totally gripped by the film. Um, I fell asleep twice in it, not because it's boring, <laughs> but because of the s- sedative qualities of the score mm. and just the beauty of the lighting. It's so calming. Mm-hmm. It's super relaxing. And I, I, I don't find it boring at all. It's not the reason I dozed off. I was just like really just, I think, um, hypnotized by it. Did you see that? Did it's you fall asleep the second time you watched it? You mean? Or, I or, did again. Yeah. Wait. So yeah. even the original watch, you fell asleep. Yeah. So you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> no, like not. I, I I wish I could sleep like those people that can just like switch off completely and fall into an actual sleep. I mean, like slightly dozing okay. off, which would normally happen in like yeah. a bad film. Yeah. Or like if I'm watching something with my daughter and I'm just like tolerating it. It wasn't because of that at all. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. I think it's the score and the lighting. It's like this perfect combination for like absolute yeah not that the whole movie is like that there's obviously like explosive moments and everything but richard dawkins won his his academy award for it yeah which is insane that it took until until this movie yeah for him to win it but i and i'll talk a little bit about about like i think why he won for this one maybe later but yeah um let's so let's start with technical aspects then of the film of which i think there's quite a lot to like here so i wrote a couple notes down and then we can get to what anyone else wrote um the overall world right just that extension of the overall world um i wrote here it's got this racing car kind of a soundtrack like the engine revving like as it as it kind of goes through uh call back to the vangelis soundtrack and a lot of overhead shots right so that's this, this beginning there's an opening shot of his eye which parallels the original blade runner and then of the solar panels as he's on his way to to the sapper's house to 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 kind of arrest him but um yeah so uh, and then i just i love all the fight scenes so i wrote here the shot at the beginning where the wall is just moving instead of k's head you know as k's head is being pounded in in that opening fight and then it sort of cuts away for a bit and uh you just see this like drywall <laughs> moving slowly and you're just and you're left to imagine uh the other side all the sort of weird technical aspects so i wrote here the joy scenes right so this is his his holographic girlfriend and um and a lot of the scenes it's not just where she's translucent but a lot of the scenes where she either pauses so she pauses and and remember she's outside that one time and there's like a call from the police chief and then she pauses and it's like voice message so you get these like the menus around her or whatever do you remember this? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was a, such a nice detail. Yeah. yeah so yeah, all yeah. these little technical aspects, right down to uh, every time like the music goes and people are able to tell, oh, you like a, you like the holographic girl. Oh, you're also a customer, right? There, yeah. Those, there are those it's little. It's Peter and things. the Wolf is the, the oh, song. Yeah, that's what's it being is. played every yeah. time it, it it's the um, ringtone. Oh, okay, that's yeah. yeah. There it is. Uh, I also wrote a bit here. I don't know whether this is like set to signs, but from the world to wallace industries when he goes inside the wallace building mr wallace uh all this wood paneling all over the place and the way the way things are lit is i think was just sort of wonderful stairways that come out of nowhere um there's a lot of like pool lighting you know like watery like kind yeah of fl- like yeah like 
all the floors look flooded. I'm like, why is everything like wet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it looks really uncomfortable. It's actually, very, it's sort of very minimalist. I don't know whether I should stop there and then and then just like a couple of uh, direct scenes. Lighting, I think, is something. Yeah, I add. let's let's like, let's go on like lighting. The the um the movement of the light in a lot of the scenes was really mesmerizing, hypnotic. I can yeah. see why you'd fall asleep. Um, there were moments where it's a single shot and then you see the, it's a lot of shadows and lights and the lights moving. And I'm wondering, why is the light moving? Is that the light outside moving or is the camera slowly moving and changing perspective? And that's why the light's shifting. It was, it's really cool how they, how they shot those scenes, which were scenes of really, um, you know, in the hands of another director, cinematographer might've been very static and boring. Because mm-hmm. uh, the movie's yeah. pace is slow, and it is um, uh, purposely that pace, I think, because it's this suspense, this mystery, uh, this noir, right? But things like that, with the lighting moving, uh, makes it a little more gripping. I thought. Um, I don't know. You want to talk about lighting? I, you- I mean, I mean, there's no, there's no like, there's definitely no mystery, like why he won the award for it it's a little bit i think a bigger question is like why hasn't he won it before Mm -hmm. and in some ways you might argue like blade runner and the world it's set in is actually like the best opportunity to go and create an amazing amazingly lit movie like in terms of color palette in terms of mood in terms of tone all the things a cinematographer adds to a film it's almost like the perfect canvas to go do that on so in some ways like i would argue it's harder to do it really well in a really bleak setting like no country where he should have won mm. i think for that he should have won earlier but anyways he goes and just blows it out of the park with with this with this film and yeah everything you guys have mentioned like the water a lot of underlighting and then a lot of scenes where it may be more similar to no country where there's actually not a lot of dazzling lighting there's almost nothing darkness and then he just introduces like a couple of laser beams of light almost mm-hmm. so it's like 90 percent dark Right with a little bit of like like candlelight or like the slightest ambient mm-hmm. light, which is like, I think actually some of the hardest lighting to do. Yeah, is when you have almost no wattage in your bulb, and you have to find a way to still create visual interest in the scene. The the hunt or chase scene or not chase scene, but the uh, the hunt or fight scene in the casino between uh, Harrison Ford and Gosling when they get into that room where there's a hologram of Elvis. Elvis. Oh yeah, that was, yeah. That was oh, that, filmed and lit so well. It was, was kind of like no country because yeah. it was all really quiet that and all diegetic sound. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it was like that the hunt, the cat and mouse scene between uh, Sugar and uh, um, Harrelson, jo- like Josh, you... Josh Brolin's oh, okay, character okay. in No Country. Like yeah. it was a similar sort of look. That's true. Where, where he's just hiding and then. Yeah. yeah. Remember, like, we were talking on last episode of Magnolia about, like, the really loud, obnoxious music scene? Mm-hmm. Like, when. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know, that scene. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it's that scene where you're like, you want to enjoy the music and you're like, it's music, but it's like, it's it's being interrupted and it's mm-hmm. too loud and, mm-hmm. and it's too staticky that you're like, it's kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch, but mm-hmm. but incredible. And then the music would cut in and out and it'd be silent. Yeah. Yeah. Silent for a bit. And then some music would come back. Oh, it was, it was done really well. Totally. Yeah, each each sort of section of the movie, I guess, had its sort of um, set piece. Yeah, set piece. So from Sapper Morton, if that's his name, Sapper, to um, then like L.A. in general, then 
you know, my favorite, I mean, all the sections are pretty cool, but you know, you look at the police station and the way that's probably the best lit, right? They have this kind of hospital lighting mm. the whole way through. You could look at as his condo or his apartment as sort of another piece, but then there's San Diego and the whole garbage thing, right? Like when he's on his way there. And then the one that's kind of startling, uh, is Las Vegas. Cause that's supposed to be the nuclear wasteland. That's like no longer has any radiation, but nobody lives there anymore. So this is where Deckard is, is hiding out. Mm -hmm. Like this is mm -hmm. where this tree is from. Um, that section is always the most uncomfortable for me. I never really got to pinpoint it before, but this, uh, you know, I was like, you're choosing that. What's this Elvis song that's playing? Like, can you just stop fighting already? And then you've got the Frank Sinatra one, right? And then you, 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 like, you've got this like really kind of weird world the technical malfunctions throughout the film, like those little details yeah, yeah. of the door not opening or like the glitchy hologram or like the Elvis thing not working. Um, <clears throat> those little details, um, I don't know, it was really cool because to, to, you have all this, this technology in this futuristic world. Obviously, not, it's not always going to work all the time. So it's, it makes it more yeah. realistic that that the technology is uh, faulty at times. Even even the um, uh, like the new stuff, like the um, the AI, what's Joy? Yeah, right. Um, how she, how she um, freezes or glitches and stuff. Well, for me, like the person that I've grown to appreciate the most is Joy. Mm -hmm. And when I first watched it, I was just like, okay, love interest. Like, okay, let's get on with this. Let's figure out what, what's the deal with this kid and Deckard and all the rest of it. But my favorite part with Joy is when they crash in the, in the San Diego mm -hmm. garbage area. Mm -hmm. And she's like inside trying to wake him up. And then she's outside mm -hmm. trying to wake him up in this sort of like the glitchy mode. And you're forever thinking as you're thinking about her and and love and case specifically Deckard is like a fully formed kind of replicant but what kind of replicants are these people like is you know forever it's like do they have some agency is this ai or are they just programmed right and and we'll get to this in sort of dialogue later which is this is what wallace brings up like did you really fall in love or were you just programmed to is what he says to Deckard and then you look at joy and the weird irony of the movies that that we're given to care about robots, like people that we're not supposed to really care, people mm -hmm. that, that have no soul kind of thing. But I've grown to sort of appreciate Joy and and then also have felt sad for Kay when Joy is killed, but also when he's walking along the hallway or the, the kind of um, walkway at the very end and sees the hologram Joy mm -hmm. and I think is questioning his own love. Because he, he really did, I think, love her in this mathematical way then he's like oh was i just programmed to love her or whatever and you f and you feel sad for him kind of thing but yeah i've grown to appreciate that part i'm so happy when i'm with you you don't have to say that well it's interesting like uh observing how we've gone from looking at the technical elements of filmmaking to like the technology in the film yeah right which <laughs> yeah. is maybe like a natural connection you're going to make watching this movie i think every world i hope i'm not wrong here every world is introduced by an overhead shot from the solar panels to i think san diego the waste bin la for sure i don't know about las vegas if there's an overhead shot um but yeah anything on camera angles 
I didn't actually do a lot of um I didn't I didn't get into that too heavily, but I think it's really cool that you, that you guys both kind of noted that mm-hmm. because I I mean anytime I think a, a cinematographer wins, you know it should be automatically that you're looking for that. I think well, I was just so overwhelmed by the lighting well, that I yeah. was there most yeah. of the time there. That, that's right? the thing. Although the cinematographer is going to have less a lot less influence on camera angles. That's going to be more the director. Really? Yeah, but okay. the lens choice and all of those pieces are going to be more related. And and again, like I'm I'm assuming at the level of Denny Villeneuve and Roger Deakins, those guys trust each other and they probably have a lot of conversation. Right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool that you, that you noted the overhead sort of shots because that's a really obviously a very deliberate choice to sort of mm-hmm. say we're going to use this as an establishing shot usually a wide shot from like eye level is how you sort of establish location right but then this kind of to, in my mind this is all about surveillance yeah when i when i think of the birds i shot i think surveillance that's perfect that you said that because the question i had in my head right now was i remember the first shot of the film is a super close-up of ryan gosling's eye yeah. That's the first shot. Oh, okay. It's just his eye. And I, think the, I think I'd already fallen asleep by then. And then the last <laughs> shot of the film, well, not last, but the semi-last, is overhead of Ryan Gosling where he's um, on the stairs yeah. dying. But then it goes into the building and you see Harrison Ford look at his daughter and he puts his yeah. hand on the uh, and glass ends on and then shot. it ends on that shot. Right, but right. But the eye... Because I wondered, why do they zoom into his eye? And you just said surveillance, like the like the movie's about surveillance. I, I think any any film that's futuristic, sci-fi, it's kind of hard to, to not look at the whole surveillance culture because mm-hmm. we're already living in it in the present, mm-hmm. right? The whole idea of Big Brother, everything is being mined for data. So what does it look like 30 years from now? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of a hell do we live in there with uh, even better cameras? <laughs> Right, even more coverage. Yeah, the drone, the, right. so many drone cameras, right, that they're using in that. Yeah, everything's streaming in 6K. It's probably 12K by then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the eye is, um, is a mirror to the first movie. So the first movie opens in the same scene. You actually see the eye. Uh, I'll just say, I guess we, we guess it's Gosling's, but is it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking eye? too. Because if you, if you look at it, he's he's going somewhere and it's probably a long journey so he's actually asleep mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the first part and then he he wakes up as soon as he gets close to mm-hmm, the thing mm-hmm. so there is that close up of the eye and then but then it shows him asleep i know it's That's a weird. it's a side camera like you don't see his face but you see his head tilted down and then you see him sort of like wake up yeah his hand and the ending on the snow is also a callback to the end of the original blade runner with rutger howard roy batty um uh like doing his thing so the tears and rain poem among the mm. among the rain and then the rain ends and there's like the dove in his hand so that, that's when he dies and that's um k i guess in this at the end of that movie when he's on the stairwell is joe it's really the first time we see him smile and kind of joke around with uh if you recall those last lines deckard goes who am i to you like why did you save me it's quite a brilliant scheme to fake his death right? Like we didn't know that was coming. And he's like, who am I to you? And Joe now I'll call him Joe. He has this smile on his face and he just goes, go to your daughter. And, um, I thought about that a lot. I have my own thoughts of what, of what Deckard is to him right at this point. But, uh, and then he lies down on the snow knowing that he's knowing that he's dying and then that's it. Mm. So, yeah. Um, 
the other thing about uh, uh, camera angles, um, or sorry, not camera angles, surveillance, um, that that I kind of alludes to. Um, you were saying, Jake, how it's this world where data is being mined, where there's records of everything. Uh, but then there's that blackout that's referred to where all the records yeah. disappear, right? Um, and uh, the other aspect that emphasizes this surveillance, I think, is also back to that lighting. Uh, I remember it vividly in the first one. Anytime they were inside a building, it was so dark, and you'd see lights coming through the windows all the time uh, in Harrison Ford's apartment. Deckard's apartment in the yeah. first one. And they did the same sort of thing in this one. Whenever they're inside, there were lights outside um, moving around. And it suggested to me, yeah, like surveillance, like they're being watched. Like there's, there's those lights are like spotlights or um, I don't know, like a helicopter flying around or some ship flying around. Right, um, right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the advertisements, the major lighting that too. is, the, is the, all the advertisements. Uh, I wanted to give um, just two two quick scenes in terms of like technical aspects, and I, I'm not gonna. I'll just. Uh, I really like the scene where Wallace is is meeting, or or you see this new replicant unpackaged, right? And then the, the replicant is in that kind oh, of plastic yeah. plastic bag and zooms out, and I just think. The technical aspects in that scene were so good, especially I wrote here the blood running down the thighs or like the running down the stomach as he mm. slices the stomach open. And I just thought all of that, uh, the, the introduction of Jared Leto's character. And I just wanted to, the the other thing that jumped out to me is after Deckard gets taken by the Wallace company thugs, including Love, um, the, the other replicants save k right from las vegas and then they bring him somewhere and then it zooms in i don't know if you notice this the fire embers like it zooms in close mm. to the fire and then the embers rise up yeah and then it transitions to the city to, to the city amazing of cut Do you and, remember I, that? and i was like okay this is um this is this is the cut that is like yeah what do you call you that know. what was a uh, match cut no what's that what's the category yeah it was a match cut but what's the category uh, that you you I came up with last time? Uh, that would be the one-two punch. The one-two punch. One, two, it was punch. a great yeah. one-two punch. Yeah, That's yeah. the one-two punch. And it was a little, a little bit of a, of a connection to like the Lawrence of Arabia with the lit match in the desert. Yeah. Oh. I feel like there's got to be a little bit of a nod there. I, I haven't seen that. Uh, um, can I add a little bit to your sure. point yeah, on, yeah. on violence? I actually, I, I, I noticed, and, and, and again, like it's pretty hard not to notice, but it really, it really hit me this time how striking the scenes of violence are against such a digital palette, right? You have a mostly clean, fairly, I guess, like sanitized world in some ways. Like I know there's, there's, there's radioactive issues and there's garbage and stuff, but then there's a lot of like digital cleanliness happening just with the avatars and the holograms and all of the automation and all those things that kind of feel machine-like. And then you have just a scene of violence just out of nowhere. Right. And, and it's such like you can see that Villeneuve really made a point of having those violent moments be really visceral, really yeah. animal. Right. When when the uh, the you know, I forget her name, but the, love 
Love. Yeah. White cloak lady, black yeah. hair. Love. Right. When she's stealing the bones. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then she just takes out the guy. It's just such a disgusting death. Like he's yeah. just got like internal brain hemorrhaging coming out of his mouth. That's right. His and eye. he's paralyzed. It's, it's, right. just, it's just yeah. awful. Right. It yeah. is just so striking that all of a sudden then when they go back and we were kind of lulled into like another 20 minutes, there's no violence. And then there's another scene like the shot glass gets yeah. crushed. Right. And, and it's it, just a yeah. horribly painful scene to watch. It's gone. He destroyed it. Everything about it. Well, except for the box of bones that you already took. Which I'll wager wasn't enough. Here you are. You tiny thing. In the face of the fabulous new, your only thought is to kill it? For fear of great change? You can't hold the tide with a broom. Except that I did. Where is he? It, it just, the, the punctuations of violence are so powerful, I think, because there's not a lot of them. And when they happen, they're they're really visceral. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of another Gosling movie, Drive. Drive. Right? The violence in that movie was pretty sparse. But when it happened, it was really ugly. Mm -hmm. There was a moment where uh, Gosling is uh, down but not out at Harrison Ford's uh, penthouse yeah. in Vegas. And uh, Love comes and beats him up. And then she does this drop heel kick on his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. from a wide shot. I remember watching it just yesterday and like oh like i i flinched yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah um oh yeah no it's, it's it doesn't feel like a tarantino kill bill type of violence yeah. it's the opposite yeah it's like this is what it probably looks like and feels like yeah if you get hit really hard by a cyborg by a cyborg yeah <laughs> totally yeah terminator um, and yeah. remember when she he chokes her to death yeah at the end and his face of like what he looks like when he's choking her and how she's like still like fighting, but how he, what his face just, I don't know. It said it all. It was just so like, visceral. Well, the, the, I mean, I've got notes on this. The two of them together are quite unique because they're both like a higher end replicant, but they operate in different ways. So in some ways, K is a bit more docile. And he, if you ever watch, I, so I've watched it a couple times now, he does the whole like rope-a-dope move. He, he basically lets you hit him a bunch of times and then he, and then he picks his moment, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what he's doing there. Well, she's not, she's sort of this like emotional animal, right? Where she's just like insecure. The, the best. I'm the best one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or when, uh, when he, she goes after Robin Wright Yoshi, uh, Captain Yoshi yeah. or Joe and that whole, like, I'm going to tell him you fired first, you know, this kind of thing as she's crushing. Well, she looks really scared. She looks really yeah. scared of, um, Wallace. Every that's time right. Wallace appears, uh, with love, love's demeanor changes. Yeah. She, she's usually the intimidating power 
full character and she's scared when wallace arrives yeah and then that i saw that kick and i saw that kick is really similar to the final punch that k gives to sapper to sort of shut him down right mm -hmm. so sapper's resisting and then he's punched him about a times like sapper sort of out and then k's like okay one more and there's like totally knocks him out then oh. checks his eye so there's that there's that bit as well the, yeah that fight with sapper that was also really hard to watch like he punched him in the throat like four times Good as any. Now, if you don't mind, if you could just look up and to the left, please. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. punching him in the throat, not the face. No, yeah. no, the worst. <laughs> and in, in some ways, he's like, listen, I gave you a chance. I said, listen, I'd rather take you in alive. Sapper pounded his head into the drywall like four or five times. And he's like, okay, now I got to put you down. But that was a great allusion to the uh, uh, Roy Batty Deckard fight scene going That's through right. the wall. Like right mm. at the first few minutes, and then they allude to that that yeah. scene in, in the original Blade Runner. Um you brought up the scene where the uh, Wallace is looking at one of his creations yes. fall out of the sack yeah. uh, when they're born. And one of my she, favorites. She falls on the ground and she looks like a calf, like a limp yeah. calf. And I bring this up because it reminded, I think it's another good one two punch. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but right before that scene, um, Kay is visiting uh, Deckard's former partner yeah. in like that old folks home. That's right. And he's making origami. Yeah. And he puts it on the table and it's a cow. Yeah. And then the next scene is the, is the uh, Wallace scene uh, as he kind of um, observes his uh, and checks out his new creation, which looks like a calf as it comes out. And I don't know. I thought that was a really cool one-two punch. What do you think the film's about? Let's start with that question. Like, what's the film about if you were to say that there's like an overarching theme to the film? Uh, for, I, I wrote this down. It's uh, what does it mean to be human? That to me is the, is the major question that it's struggling with. What does it mean to be human? And this is uh, in some ways Kay's journey uh, to becoming human. And... Um, to the last quote where it says um, to die for a cause is the most human thing you can do initially I don't know how people will read this but I'd like to think most people will initiate or think about that to die is the most human thing it's it's actually the cause part that's important right so it's not to die it's to die for a cause and when Deckard says to Kay in the end um, who am I to you the answer for k is well you're a cause right and and i got to join this cause and that's the most human thing to do and that's the difference between him and love love is willing to die but she's not willing to die for a cause she's willing to die to fulfill wallace's orders and that was him before right where he doesn't run a remember he doesn't when uh the the captain yoshi says i need you to kill this kid and then he hesitates and then she's like well is there an issue? And then he says something like, oh, I didn't think there was a choice. 
and she's like, attaboy, you know, there you go. Um, but now all of a sudden this kind of notion of sort of joining the cause and it's like now he's making the choice to join the cause and, and, and that's, that's what makes him human in the end. That's what he's struggling with when he sees, uh, the, um, hologram joy again on the, on the walkway at the very end where he's, he's just like, okay, you know, what am I, what am I trying to do here? And then he concocts the scheme on his own and uses all his ex-police resources if you think about that final scene it's like how does he know where they're going so he would have to have some sort of surveillance he thinks about where to shoot him down so it's like okay i gotta shoot him down outside in the water so i'm going to take out the two sentries and then i'm just going to immobilize the car and then i'm going to try to defeat love as best i can and see if this thing actually works so that's i guess a, a longer answer what does it what does it mean to be human that to me is the deeper meaning and then i have a bunch yeah. of other stuff yeah sorry I think it's it reminds me a little bit of how even with these superhumans or these uh, replicants, right, which are better than humans or stronger than humans, they're still they're still not long for this world. I, I think this this movie is is just another example of that the planet will outlive us all, and it's just a matter of time. <laughs> I really got that feeling of just fatalism. Right. This this is this is might extend things by another twenty years by having this new technology, but it will also have faults in it. It will eventually, it will also be uh, just a victim of its own development. Mm-hmm. I well, saw a lot of that in this film. There are like no humans in the on the planet. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, so it, it, the species yeah. is yeah. Ex- extinct, or, or there's somewhere else, off yeah. world, off yeah. world, which we never see. Right, right. I love that concept. I think the terminology in the film is actually like one of the most impressive things, like what, mm-hmm. how, what they came up with mm-hmm. for all of the different things and realms and categories, you know, everything from like replicants, like what a great word, you know, mm-hmm. off world to the Nexus, Nexus eight models. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, what do you call it? The terminology or the, yeah. there's a better word for like it. Jargon? The jargon, the jargon, the vernacular I, idiom, it's just good. It idiom? Jargon yeah. or idiom. This is really well developed. The, the films about it, obedient replicant who sets out to find out who he is. So it's like this existential crisis type film, right? Yeah. Um, and at the start, he knows his place and he knows that he's mere replicant. He's lesser or inferior to humans in his mind. And you can kind of see that sadness in his eyes as he, he accepts that yeah. uh, throughout the film. And he's discriminated against by other cops, by uh, the people in his apartment building. Yeah. Um, he's part of this great chain of being though, right? Like this hierarchy and he's like kind of low on that uh, with humans at the top. And he thinks he knows who he is, that he's Kay, uh, this uh, replicant uh, cop. Um, But he's kind of challenged to dig deeper when it's hinted to him that perhaps he's actually born and he's not who he thinks he is. He's not a replicant, maybe, or he's a replicant that was born or a human or that he's special, special K. Well, he has a, well, he has a soul, (laughs) right? Yeah. It's like racist to be born is to have a soul. Uh, Yes. Yes. And then she says, Oh, you've been, you've been, uh, fine without one. 
yeah like, with what he's like without a soul oh that that hurt that line like you can see the pain in his eyes when he's told that you have no soul and i thought it was special yeah oh well, yeah but you don't have a soul um but i mean i guess very quickly i want you to keep going but yoshi's also trying to say but you already are special you don't need to be born mm. right and and there when she comes to his apartment that's i think an also really interesting i think scene. she wanted to have sex with him yeah he she yeah. did <laughs> well i think that was like that was on the table yeah there's a couple and then there's, there's another there's another there's another there's another scene with <laughs> yeah. with love just admit when it. when they first meet where there's there's quite a lot of women that come on to him during yeah. the film yeah um but no he's joy's he's joy's man um, go ahead so he's hinted to the possibility that he's special because of what might be he doesn't know yet at the time but an implanted memory that links him to a miracle birth right yeah. um and uh so the movie seems to show us this typical plot of a man learning about his mythic and special origins, like the hero's journey, right? Uh, and the implications that he will be a messiah for an oppressed group. I love that final scene, not final scene, but that scene where he, he's been saved from uh, being beaten yeah. up by Mackenzie Davis's character, the prostitute, and yeah. like that whole like revolutionary group. And you th it, it sets it up so that he thinks and the audience thinks that He's you're, the boy. You're the he's, one. He's Here's the boy. your army. And then it's like, oh, you thought you were the baby? No, no, you're not the baby. And that twist was just so amazing, I thought. That was the best yeah. part of the film. And, and they, they all have that memory. Yes. Right, they all have and, the memory and, of the horse being taken. And yeah. I'm going to use the word, mm -hmm. but that was like a subversion. <laughs> because it's subverting the, that trope, that, that man as messiah trope, right? Especially uh, like leading man yes, as messiah. Yes. Ryan Gosling. Yes. Better be the hero. Yes. Man. But but he's not N not in the way he thinks he is, yeah. um, and um, if the story fully played out that way with man as the Messiah, uh, it would be a celebration of what it means to be human of humanism. Because if he finds out, yes, I'm 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 the hero because I'm human, then it celebrates what it means to be human, and that's what the film's about, and and that's humanism. But I think the film doesn't do that. I think the film celebrates what it means to be post-human, beyond human, because he's still the hero in the end, yeah. but he's the hero, he's more than human. He, he does this, he dies for a cause and he sacrifices himself, which for some reason we assume is the most human thing someone can do, but... No, I said join a cause is the most human thing you and, can do. And perhaps it's not. I think that's an assumption that even the people in the film make, even the replicants make. Even Mackenzie Davis and her group think that human, being human is like the be all and end all in their mind. Because who are their creators? Humans. humans. Well, it reminded me of so, Prometheus. So a humans lot, the are the replicants' gods, right? So they're trying to be like that. They're trying, they want to be like human. They, that's, their, that's the pinnacle. And so they say, oh, dying for a cause, sacrificing yourself, that sort of thing is the most human thing. But there are no human characters who exhibit that in this world. Right, the, the most human character, maybe Wallace, who's a transhuman, who's been enhanced with so much technology, is self-serving, right? And and uh, um, or or maybe not self-serving, but like n his goals aren't noble. No, I, I, mean, I right? would say, I would say the best human um, is the police chief. Yeah, because she's actually trying to start a, stop a war. But right? she she's doesn't. Like, I need to stop this war. She also says the world's built on a wall. Built on a wall. And with people knowing their kind, and if 
if yeah. we take down that wall or if we let them know that that wall doesn't even exist, it's going to create a war, an existential threat. Like yeah. there's no difference between human and, and replicant, essentially. That, that's what she's trying to hide because that's, that's what the film's suggesting that I think uh, there's that question of like, what does it mean to be real? I think that's more what the question that the film's asking. Joy says, just like a real girl, she wants to be real, right? Uh, he, Gosling asks Harrison Ford's character, is that dog real? And then he says, like, I don't know, why don't you ask it? Like, <laughs> essentially, what is real is based on the subject themselves, right? It doesn't matter if you think they're real. Like, they think they're real. What they're experiencing is real, therefore it's real, right? Um, it's, uh, I, I, I think... That's a big piece of this whole film is there's a lot more questions than answers, mm. and, and I think that was that was the hope. I think mm -hmm. the director would be disappointed if we all think we figured it out mm. but we knew we knew the answers. We we don't. We know some of them, and we have a lot more questions, and that's okay. I I have a little bit. I have a sure. sort of tangential one on. I really thought about um, the nature of replicants. Like, what are they trying to do here? So the the opening movie is all about controlling replicants so replicants have to do really terrible work and we can't have them on earth so if they ever get down to earth we got to kill them mm. right and so and they're, they're like the slaves yeah right? they're the slaves and so and then you have deckard who then the i mean what was original what was cut in the original were, were all the scenes that hint that deckard is a replicant himself so they've gotten a replicant who doesn't know he's a replicant to kill off other replicants and in the movie, this makes sense because um, in the original movie, Deckard almost is sort of semi-childlike. He's also not that great of a fighter, yet he wins every fight, with the exception of the last one. And you can you can kind of explain it away by saying, oh, but wait a second, he's he's a replicant, so that's how he's able to do this. So now what they've done is they've, they've built Kay, who is a replicant, knows he's a replicant, so he's self-aware that he's an actual replicant. And then what goes on in his head? So he has all these memories of a childhood that he knows he never had, right? Mm. And then they give him these qualities so he does desire love. Yet, so he does desire love. He does desire to eat. He does desire to, like, go around the world. Like, I was even thinking, like, why does he even have an apartment? What, like, condo. Like, why did he get a bonus? Why is he getting paid money? Why does he... Why does he do all this sort of stuff? So, and then the only question, the only answer I could come up with is, um, it's it's a way to control them more. So in a in a weird way to to make sure the replicants don't run wild. And and if you've watched any of the, uh, what is it, the prologues, after the Tyrell Corporation went down, the uh, replicants were completely outlawed on Earth, and Wallace had to convince the leaders that my replicants are so obedient, I can kill them, they will kill themselves, you won't have another ride on your hands here. And this is how he convinces them to allow replicants on Earth again, is, is that they are so obedient. That's why they don't, they're, they're just willing to lay down. You know, he says, uh, we don't run, right? Nexus 8 models, Sapper, they run. Well, we don't run. That's the difference between you and me. That's why no one's coming after me, mm -hmm. right? As in that kind of thing. So I, I really... You know, I really like that part. Yet what blurs the lines a little bit is the captain who does. She hints throughout. She's like, you know what? 
I forget that you're a replicant sometimes, right? So to the point where she does come on to him, the very thing, what will happen if I finish this drink? The, this drink? And then he goes, Shouldn't shouldn't I be getting back to work? And it, it cuts out, you know, that's like, okay, I'll take that as a no kind of thing. Um, but I just kept on thinking about like, why is he spending all his money on joy? Right? Like he takes his bonus. Why does he even have to eat? Why does he have to fake eat? (laughs) Right? Like he doesn't fake eat. I think they're organic. Yeah. Those replicants are organic. They need to eat and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that okay? I, yeah. I don't know. They don't Anyways. really go into that world building, but that it's such, that's why I think this world of Blade Runner is so much more interesting than like a Star Wars universe. And I think they, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they should make more movies or series in, in, in this world. But don't ruin um, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, don't, but don't ruin what you've built. I, I think uh, I just want to uh, elaborate a little more on, sure. on what I was saying and uh, kind of conclude it. And I want to talk a little bit about Joy's character in all of that too. Um, so I, I was saying though, like the movie, it shows us this typical plot of like a man slash replicant learning about his mythic and special origins uh, with the implications that he's the messiah for an oppressed group. But it, and if the story fully played out that way, then it would be a celebration of humanism and the humanistic idea that man is the be all and end all, uh, symbolized by K becoming the savior. Uh, that he is now a human, not a mere replicant, or he's like a special replicant, a hybrid or something, a man above others, more human than human, um, one to be like kind of served and worshipped, which is kind of shown in the scene following his realization, or his false realization, the threesome scene with the, uh, yeah. with the um, prostitute and Joy. Yeah. Right? And they drew out that scene really long and it was kind of emphasizing this idea of like, I don't know, it was like this man worship. Like they were like, like he was at the center of it all right after he finds out he's special. Um, and I think that's part of the subversion of like, this is what like the audience is thinking and he's actually not. Um, mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. seems to head in this direction, but then it tears down humanism and the idea of human at the center. Uh, in the film, I think. And there's subtle challenges to the idea of humans as the baseline or the ob- objective reality or, su- or, or superior being. Several, there are several characters, perspectives, um, and entities that, that are developed in the narrative suggesting the subjectivity of existence. Um, of uh, All of these challenges, what it means to be human, whether humans are in fact superior or special or better than non-humans. Um, and the uh, you you have um, joy, for example, right? Where at first, as an audience member, you're probably thinking, "Oh, she's just a hologram. She's not real." They they even they emphasize that so much with the pausing and the glitching and like how she's kind of contingent on being in in the room yeah, until yeah. she's put in that device. Um, she wants to be real. She wants to be this real girl. He can't really touch her. Um, she's she's wanting to be like the replicant and then the replicants wanting to be like the human. And there's this whole chain of being of like wanting to be more than what they are. Um, and, uh, the, the rugs pulled under though. K when he learns that he's not the child and he's not special, um, not the Messiah and that the, the memory was implanted. Um, 
then he's challenged with being more human than human and is told by sacrificing himself, that would be the most human thing he could do. Um, so there's essentially saying that if to transcend yourself, to become more than replicant, to be like your creator, humans, uh, self-sacrifice, that's what they're telling him to do, right? You have to like die for a cause. So he does this and he dies to save the miracle baby, essentially. Um, and he doesn't do it for his benefit. Uh, so in doing that, he transcends himself and he, he also transcends his original goal or belief, which is a superficial, flawed, self-centered and self-centered ideal of humanism that he, uh, he, he's no longer caring about being human. He's caring more about the post-human, that, 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 that baby or the woman who's living in that, that bubble. Um, but yeah, um, anyway, I don't know if you want to continue or talk about something else. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had questions. Now I think we've got all the answers. <laughs> Why? What am I to you? Go meet your daughter. Um, best best line was uh, I thought between Joy and Kay when uh, when she says you're they're looking at the DNA right and she says you're four symbols and I'm only two and yeah. Gosling says half as much twice as elegant <laughs> like, that's just so good oh, yeah, yeah. the Goss <laughs> yeah like it's just great writing great yeah. delivery really really good uh, best scene I think was the build up of the realization that they need to go to the orphanage. Yeah. And there was a slow build in the score and there's a building of tension in that moment, which goes from a close up, like a two shot of <clears throat> the two characters uh, at the computer. And then the next shot is a massive wide shot of these, of the dams, the reservoirs or whatever they are, these water just cascading out of oh, them. Oh, so good. And then the synths like kick yeah. in like full mm -hmm. volume. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Like, I mean, it's a, me Charlie. it's a metaphorical <laughs> scene. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't know. <laughs> Watch this guy beatbox. <laughs> it, it's like classic metaphor for like the dam is bursting. Yeah. But it's just on such a massive scale. Like yeah. what would be the ultimate shot of the dam bursting wide open in your character's realization of a moment, right? So just everything from the sound in that scene to like the emotional impact of it. Uh, to the just the buildup of that, like it's like to me that's like a textbook way to teach how to transition between moments, both in story narrative, but also like visually as well as the audio. It's like it's like perfect filmmaking in that four minute. I think it's about four minutes that whole sequence, but it's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. So that line, that scene, for me. Um, I'll just piggyback. They Joy and and Kay definitely have a shorthand. I wrote down here, it's when he goes in, where he, he comes in after, in the very beginning, and, he, and she just says something like, it was a day. And he's like, it was a day. Yeah, <laughs> and similar to the, uh, they have these short scenes. Just quickly on the, on the love note, so the two girls that come on to him uh, will go with uh, love. So they're, I guess they go into the archives. Love has been alerted that someone's looking into Rachel. 
right? Because he has the he has the hair, right? And then so love has to sort of cancel her call goes down there, and Kay goes something like she likes him. Um, love goes who this officer Deckard? She's trying to provoke him, and then love does her introspection. It's like, it's invigorating being asked personal questions, makes one feel desired. And then she tries it. And she asks, do you enjoy your work officer? Yeah. And then he just goes, please thank Mr. Wallace for your time. <laughs> right? Like immediate shutdown in the whole thing. And then the Yoshi is, um, look at me. We're all just looking out for something real. What happens if I finish that? Shouldn't I get back to work, madam? <laughs> right? So it's like the, the, this um, way to go, Kay, right? I, I think mm -hmm. the point of why they keep suggesting that all these women like Kay, again, is to play with that uh, leading us in the direction that he's the hero and he's the messiah. Uh, and it's that trope of like, this is the hero, all the girls want him. But then it like pulls the rug under and he's like, no, he's not the, he's not the, the messiah. Um, so those lines weren't just like funny comedic lines. They were no. like, they're meaningful. They kind of play with the audience to make us, and it's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Well, I think there's a little <laughs> bit of comedy there. Like yeah. no matter what reality you're in, no matter what year it is, ladies love Ryan Gosling. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. They can be real. Yeah, it doesn't, they, they can be replicated. Any yeah. version. Yeah. yeah. And I, yet he prefers the hologram. I, yeah. think, I think he's <laughs> so good rolls. at underplaying everything. Right, he's oh, yeah. th that's his strength as an actor. If Leonardo DiCaprio is like the over actor, Gosling's like the antithesis, right? Like he's like mm -hmm. he's just he super deadpan, un like underplays everything and just trusts the director and post to make it carry the emotion or evoke the emotion that the director wants yeah. with his like neutral face. <laughs> totally. So I have totally. another. I have another one here. So sure. another woman that doesn't come on to him mm -hmm. but does provoke a reaction is is Deckard's daughter who we find out at the end Dr. Anna Stelling and when he goes to meet her so I have this you know I love birthday parties uh, <laughs> and she's making this cake and stuff and then he goes you work for Wallace subcontract on one of his suppliers he offered to buy me out but I take my freedom where I can find it and he goes, why are you so good? What makes your memory so authentic? <clears throat> well, there's a bit of every artist in their work. Um, but I was locked in a sterile chamber at eight. So if I wanted to see the world, I had to imagine it. Got very good at imagining. Wallace needs my talent to maintain a stable product. I think it's only kind. Replicants live such hard lives made to do what we'd rather not. I can't help your future, but I can give you good memories to think back on and smile. And then he's, he's, it's it's better than nice. It feels authentic. And if you have authentic memories, you have real human responses. But later on when he comes back and he showcases the, um, like the horse hiding it from the boy's memory, you see her crying and she goes, that memory is real. It's hers. Yeah. So that's the subversion. At first you think it's his, yeah. like and she's just a, being and empathetic. She, and, and then she's confirming, Oh, that's a real yeah. memory, but she's saying, no, there's, I mean, there's no pronoun used, but it's my, and then he goes, I know it's real. I know it's real. And it's one of my favorite moments because then he Explodes. loses it and he goes, God damn it. Yeah. Why, why does he explode? Right. right. Because, why, why do you think he explodes? I know why. <laughs> well, my, uh, because now I'd like to think it's initially a practical concerns because now they're kind of come after him. I know it's real. I know it's real. 
Yeah, I, I, I think like I didn't, maybe I didn't go deep enough into it, but I just thought it was just a realization that his life was about to become very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's an existential crisis. I mean, like this yeah. entire, you go your entire life thinking that you're this replicant who's just doing this job and you know, mm. there's no meaning to your life other than that. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're like, holy shit. Like I'm, I was born like no yeah. other replicants have been born. Like I, that's huge implications, right? Yeah. So it's like him thinking. He's got his nine to five and his hologram <laughs> babe and things are kind of just going along. Yeah. 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 And then, so he fails his baseline. Uh, he then lies to her, lies yeah, to the I, madam. I, you, you see, you notice how many times the replicants and cyborgs or whatever, the AI are able to disobey orders. Yeah. It, right. Like throughout mm. the film, like even love. Like she, she, she goes against, like she just, they have a lot of agency. Yeah. Well, I think she's, I think she's special in the sense of she was programmed to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. While like she's, she's like, as, as Wallace would describe the special angel. Right. And that's why she's there. So why is it that one between Deckard and Rachel, they're able to reproduce? There's this miracle like, I, think, I think it's i think it's an example of how mutations occur yes right and this is this is just one more example in the millions and yes. millions of years of of life in the universe yes that this is going to continue to happen no matter how much we try to program it and mm -hmm. clean it up and turn it into ones ones and zeros on that note related is i have that as one of my best scenes when wallace tempts deckard um and and he's he basically is challenging him on his notion of love, right? So I said, all these years you look back on that day drunk on the memory of its perfection. And he's referencing when Rachel comes into the room. So you fell in love with her the moment she walked in, right? How shiny her lips, how instant your connection. And then he said, did it never occur to you that that's why you were summoned in the first place, designed to do nothing short of fall for her right then and there, all to make that single perfect specimen. So now the thing is the child is is uh, the Tyrell Corporation's pinnacle, right? And then huh. um, that is, and then he goes, that is if you were designed, and he goes, love or mathematical precision, yeah. yes or no. And Deckard subverts the question the best way he can by saying, I know what's real. And then he goes, do you have, he says something along the lines of, do you have any children? And then um, Wallace says, I have millions, Yeah, <laughs> right? I have millions. Uh, and then he knows he's not going to break him, right? He's just like, listen, and then sees the real Rachel, which I think must be agonizing for him because he is a replicant and he was programmed to love Rachel. So Rachel comes in a, almost a perfect duplicate and all the love algorithms must be kicking in. He is falling in love with her all over again. And, and Harrison Ford does his best to sort of show that in his face and then he's able to break the spell a little bit by saying her eyes were green, <laughs> right? Like you have, you have the, this is not, this is really Rachel. So it's, it's the temptation. It's the whatever, like you could relive and you can live in love again. Right. And then he goes to her eyes and then shuns it. And then this is when Wallace says, we have everything off world to make you break. <laughs> right. And that's where I'm going to take you very quickly without going too much into it, best scenes for me. Opening scene. I liked with the sapper morton fighting mm. right like everything from like the boiling garlic to seeing like oh i'm a protein farmer uh and you get that right idea of it's still they're nice they're polite and then visceral fighting and you get an idea for what he's fighting um 
uh, when the ma'am, when, when the police chief comes over, uh, and she asks, so not just the coming on scene, but before that, where she goes, can you share a memory? And it's like, well, they're fakes or can, well, can you share? Well, it's an order, share a memory with me. And that whole weird irony that we talked about, it got me thinking, what's the deal with replicants? Why does he have a memory when he knows it's fake, right? What's all this? Uh, we talked about it with the technical aspects, traveling to the San Diego waste area. I, I just, I love um, how they incapacitate the car. Like just that whole flying scene, you know, I'm going to throw, there's a couple of bullets thrown his way. He then dives down, I guess, to sort of get out of radar sight, and then he goes up, and and so they shoot the the harpoon to then hopefully there's a lightning attack to incapacitate the car, and and then the the major product placement which I thought was awesome, the Peugeot, right, which is a, a recall to the cars in the first movie, and then that crash scene, which that's I'll, one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, which I'll sort of throw <clears throat> out brings my first um, nitpick, my only nitpick of the novel. So he. Why does he get knocked out, right? So the car rambles, like it. it's pretty cool how that car, but it, the car skids along the ground and he gets knocked out for quite a while time. And I'm like, well, if he's a replicant, why is he getting knocked out? Now he gets out of that jam because Love throws a couple of cruise missiles his way and scatters the bandits. And one of the cruise missiles like slightly impacts him. He gets slammed against the car, but he doesn't get knocked out then. Well, I think replicants can get knocked out. They're organic. Like yeah. they, they, they can get hurt and bleed and die and yeah. they, they eat. And so he can get knocked out. I mean, it shows how the even joy glitches after the crash. Yeah. Right. Because they just crash and there's a large impact. I know. The device is glitching. knocked out the way a computer can go offline if it gets yeah. its wires sprayed yeah. a bit. Okay. Yeah. But, but I don't but, think he has wires. I think no, no, he's, no, no, he's, he's a human. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm just comparing it to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that it's that, like he's not getting a concussion no, per se, no. but something is getting rattled in his yeah. superior system. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree. I talked my way out of that, which is the impact of the car is much, much more than the than the concussion of the blast. So mm -hmm. that's why he actually I, I think there's up. a bunch of truths to just like that they haven't got this program figured out yet, this whole replicant yeah. concept. And that like for whatever reason... One of a thousand questions we have in movies like this is like they need to they need to create some kind of reality for the program to continue functioning, right? They need to eat even if they don't have to eat because there's something that happens in the mm -hmm. human system mm -hmm. that triggers continual survival mm -hmm. because you think you're eating or you're enjoying life or you're remembering your eighth birthday. Uh, I have here um, a call to the the crushing hand on the glass, the scene between love and Yoshi. Um, it's it's just so cool. Like it was so unexpected. I I was cheering for Robin Wright, and then Love just kills her, right? And then you think. <laughs> I also really like how she's just like, oh, I'll just hit this this shutdown button, and there's no way you're gonna get access to to all my information. But oh no, I can just stick your face in the thing, even though you're dead and have total yeah. access. And then she drops her, like, <laughs> her head yeah. like thumps on the, oh, yeah. you know and, yeah, and yeah. I can impersonate <laughs> your violence. It's just so and, and basically they, they took a nitpick and they, they're like, no, 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 sh she would be able to hack into this computer. No problem. That, that little button isn't going to stop love yeah. at all. I have here, um, you tiny thing in the face of this fabulous new, uh, your only thought is to kill it for fear of great change. You can't hold the tide with a broom. And then Yoshi says, I did. except that I did. But you didn't. Yeah. And I'm going to tell Mr. Wallace that you tried to shoot me first. So I had to kill you. 
Um, and then she also has this line like, you thought he couldn't lie, right? Oh, you thought that replicants can lie and then slices her open. Um, when Joe talks to Deckard, I really like when they're finally meeting. Um, it's, I, I don't know, I just, I don't, I didn't write anything down here, but when they're in Vegas kind of talking to each other, um, it's just kind of cool. Like he gets to ask the question. He's trying not to, Deckard's trying not to answer it, but Joe's like, what's her name? What's her name? Um, when Wallace tempts Deckard, uh, and then everything, everything at the end, um, it, it, the whole, the whole ending fight scene, uh, from the shooting down of the cars to the way they fought, the way that Kay defeats, or sorry, I say Joe, the way that Joe defeats love, I think is awesome. Right. And, um, he's bleeding and just like every, it uses, essentially uses his longer arms to win. <laughs> he's like, wait a second. I can surprise her. My arms are longer and I'm just going to choke her to death. And it was her mistake for not finishing him off. Right. She's too emotional. See, I'm better. I've stabbed you twice, but he's still not dead. Right. And, and he's just like, I know if I can just keep my arms straight, <laughs> which is how he does it. Right. She can't reach thing. He, she can't reach. He anything. seemed to, he seemed to channel, uh, like T 1000. Yeah. Uh, in that, like the way he looked, he looked like the, the, the Terminator, not, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. Oh, the other. Chrome guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just like, like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, and, yeah, just totally. so, and you see his conviction and I'll just, I'll just say, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but the little Easter egg there of whether Deckard is a replicant or not. And it's sort of been confirmed that Deckard is a replicant is that Deckard is, is because his um, body is turning white when you see him as he's sort of semi drowning, if you, oh, if you re look at it, his like hands and arms turn white and that's, uh, that's what happens to replicants. That's when replicants like slowly die. So when you looked, oh, when, you wa- when you watch the end of the, the end of the first blade runner as Roy Batty's lifespan is ending, right? He's got a five year lifespan and he wants to extend his life. It's like his hand slowly oh, turns yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Deckard is that replicant and you can see he's sort of sort of dying in that he's, I mean, he's an older model. I forgot what Nexus model he is, but, um, it's kind of funny that the thing that makes replicants special is like, that's what happens to humans too, right? Yeah. They, they turn white yeah. and they yeah, die. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it's a, it's a more potent white. Yeah. You, you, like it's a, yeah. So it's white. one of the, it's yeah. like, along, they would have programmed them to turn blue or yeah. The, something. I mean, for nerds like me, you're looking for the Pan Am reference and the Atari reference. Cause the, you, there's a bunch of corporations that went bankrupt now, but they kept their corporate in, in the Blade Runner oh. universe. They kept those, um, corporations in there. Uh, and the other one is, is that is the, so you're like, Oh, Decker mm. is for sure. It's for sure. A replicant. I have three favorite scenes, sure. just three. And and the first one is um, the crash. Uh, oh, yeah. What, when he gets to San Diego and the, the, the way that shot was just so cool, like how he's flying, it's silent, and then all of a sudden there's like this harpoon that gets him. And it's just the whole sequence was really good. And the, the crash, and then he comes out and he fights those guys. And then all of a sudden you've, you see um, Love actually getting like a manicure and pedicure, and she's like, firing missiles through a drone yeah. to save him. Um, there's that, it's just the, there's, the, there's how that the world is expanded in that one scene alone, mm-hmm. like from meeting these garbage people in San Diego. Uh, yeah. Well, she's getting holographic she, nail paint applied. Yeah. And remotely there's like bombing. These, yeah. And you're just like, you know? Oh, this, this is a lot happening on like this five minutes. Yeah. 
Stay back. to the east. Fire. Go north. Fire. Stop. 20 degrees east. Stop. The other scene I really liked was, um, uh, I think it's my favorite, is when he realizes that he's not the Messiah. Like, I remember in the theater, like just getting giddy when I saw that part. Cause I was thinking, oh man, this is such a cliche. This is really going to be like the matrix and he's the one. And like, look at all these people come out. They look like they're people from Zion in the matrix. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and yeah. I was just like, oh, he's going to lead them on this battle. And I, I was rolling my eyes and then they're like, oh, you're not the one. I was like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my favorite scene, I think. Um, the uh, the ending when he goes and dies on the steps, and that allusion to um, Batty, Roy Batty, and then I don't know if you noticed, you probably did. She's the so what's her name, the the, the daughter, uh, St- Doctor Stellan. Doctor Stellan is um, yeah. She's in the uh, uh, the room, and she's creating an experience of snow. Yeah, which is what is happening outside when yeah. he's dying. Yeah, that was nice. A- and there's nice kind detail. of a, there's kind of a suggestion there that she's creating the experience for K outside. Well, I have that as my best intertextuality, where she's like, "Beautiful, isn't it?" Right, so it's almost you saw that moment with Kay dying, and then she's almost saying the, that line to the audience. Yes. beautiful, isn't it? Like him dying in the snow, like that yeah. realization yeah. and the yeah. thing coming to his. I, I think there's a suggestion though that she's creating that for him, and then it calls back that question of like, what is real? Well, he's experiencing that, and he feels like it's real. Yeah. So whether or not she's creating it, or if it's like a memory implanted in his head or not. It's real because he's he feels it and and uh, anyway, yeah th- those scenes. Oh, sorry, one more scene, really short one. When he sees the hologram of joy, yeah. and it says everything you want to hear, everything you want to see. It it re- reaffirms that joy was telling him what he wanted to hear. Yeah. That he is the Messiah. That he is the Savior. That joy's been serving him the entire time yeah. and serving what he's been His wanting. Greatest fan. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, well, that's it is, and then there's a there's a small case to be made that maybe she really did, but it it, call, it goes back to the the Wallace and Deckard. Is it or are you programmed? Yeah, well, she was programmed, and and that's why you feel so sad for him, yeah. right? Where he's sitting there, and he's now if he's got like that bandage on his nose and everything, and and he's just like, oh, was that? Because he put a lot of effort in that relationship, yeah. but right? But he like, dies for a cause at the end. 
and he yeah. decides I think he could live, right? He could always glue himself up. Yeah, no, he, he's but he decides I'm not gonna glue myself up today and I've died for a cause. I'm gonna die. Well on these he, steps. he gets he gets <laughs> shot. He's they've stabilized him, so they've they've cleaned up the wound on in the stomach and he's bandaged up, but then he gets shot by love in the in the kind of the water scene. Yeah. So that's what that's what kills him. But and he, and he, he could him. he could fix himself up. Like he's gone through so many things and fixed himself up. He I think he chooses not to because he's already oh. achieved what he's wanted to achieve. He's died for a cause. I, I chalked it up to that he couldn't, like, this was beyond. I don't think he wants to live anymore. There's, like, there's nothing for him. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, check. <laughs> so should we do a winner? Should we do a winner for best scene? Or, or oh, wait, what was your, do you have Jake, best, do you have any you have scene? best scene? Uh, yeah, sure. Best scene, the uh, dam. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Should we go with a uh, winner? What's our winner for best scene? Well, my vote is the realization that he's not the messiah but that's just me i really love that scene i mean my i like that scene too like and i love that twist um for i mean for me the best scene is uh is when he defeats love i just i just love that that fight the, the long arm like and it's just like and i'm gonna choke you to death and it's yeah so that's my best scene i felt like by that mm. point in the film it didn't matter. Yeah. The realization that he wasn't the Messiah was the best part. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter what happens anymore at this point. Well, he's still got to defeat. Yeah, he does. Well, I mean, in this case, to keep the thing going, yeah. he has to either kill Deckard or free Deckard because it's like, you don't want Deckard to get back to the, the no right eye person, right? Who's leading this <laughs> resistance, right? You've got to keep the kid a secret sort yeah. of thing. But um, shall we... Uh, Best scene from what you've I heard. Really, and I, I, you love the, I love audible. the. What have you got? I love the Vegas red room. You know, I think uh, of it as the Vegas red. It just it's yeah, red, yeah, yeah. red and orange. Which one's red. that? It's at the final scenes, like right when they're in the oh, room in Vegas, yeah, yeah. and it's just yeah, this, it's all red. It's, yeah. That's the whole. I love that whole scene. Just the whole way it feels. It's sort of like, it's a very different take on like kind of post apocalyptic post apocalyptic world. It reminds me of I don't know if you guys played Fallout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, way, yeah. the way they Fallout? picture Vegas, come it's on. so much Plate more. Fallout. Yeah, come on, all of them. Yeah. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, um, right? Like post 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 apocalyptic Vegas is a lot different. Yeah, Fallout. this this still looked pretty classy. It still looked like it had a lot to offer. There was so much whiskey, right? The dogs. Oh, the black, the, the black label. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm like what a cool yeah. glass. He, well, <laughs> pour, he pours him over the dog, right? Yeah, yeah. And then and then that, like water. that whole room where he's exploring before he runs into. Deckard mm-hmm. and the way the casino is like in multi levels. I was like, I've been to Vegas. There's no casino like this. I want to go to this casino. Yeah, I actually yeah. they they <laughs> do live in real Vegas. <laughs> they do have a name there, and I was wondering if it was like based on something or whatever. But uh, I mm-hmm. think it's in the carpet. There's is there are the stairs. There's okay. a name, but it is it is kind of cool. Um, gun to a knife fight. Should I talk about gun to a knife fight? Do we have our nominees and and uh, and your winner for that? Jared I, Leto. Yeah. We haven't talked about we haven't talked about Wallace, right? I think Jared Leto was. uh, I think I love how he he delivered those lines with his milky glass eyes or whatever. Whatever he was like a robot. Like yeah, we should be searching for like the stars. Like (laughs) like his intonations were like going up and down. Like when they humans wouldn't talk that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So so I have. uh, (laughs) Those of you long time listeners know that. Chris just lists every side actor in his gun to a knife fight. But, uh, and I, so uh, Yoshi, Robin Wright, yeah. um, Mr. Cotton, the orphanage guy. I mean, if there, if there was like a, 
uh, enthusiasm to screen time ratio, I think I think he'd have a shot. Yeah, he has, so. he has very there are no screen small time. parts. Yeah. So yeah. he's from The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. And, no, and he's been in a lot. It's he's really a funny actor. because when they arrive in the garbage area at the orphanage, I, I said this stuff. I'm like, look, it looks like The Walking Dead set. Because yeah. it does. There's scenes in The Walking Dead that looks like that. And, and then the door opens and then you see uh, Mr. Cotton and... and yeah. He's from The Walking Dead. It just it looked like they he's, were he's, different. He's in a lot movies. of British yeah. British TV yeah. shows. Um, Wallace. So I was really torn between Wallace and Love, right? And I get, yeah, I, but Love's like a main character. I wouldn't give her a gun to the knife. I, she's one of the main characters. Really? She's in it a lot. Okay. I. Okay. Well, I have to go with Wallace. I, see, I actually thought the exact same thing about Wallace. I'm just like, well, it's Jared Leto. He's a main character. He's not in it that much, though. Yeah. I guess I, mean, I think I think it's hard to like that's a tough one because he's he's obviously got a lot of power like yeah. his character yeah. has a lot of influence so he's in terms have of film running time I mean he's he's in the cover poster I think yeah. and love isn't yeah, but, but I I totally see your point totally see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think yeah. I think we should we should determine a mathematical formula for how many minutes you need to have to qualify for this category yeah you know Unless who really stood out to me that I liked was the bald guy in the uh, that. Um, that got killed? No, the bald guy that, uh, the, the receptionist at the um, Wallace building, where they where he goes to look at records. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. He's like, he oh, yeah, saves, so... saves, saves my mom's baby photos. He's talking about his yeah. baby photos. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like, oh, like, oh yeah, must you a... must have been adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That's that was a good line. Yeah. So if that along, along that note, mine would be the autopsy guy who gets like, neck killed <laughs> yeah, yeah i guess his, yeah. I guess his name's the coco worst death guy. Yeah. yeah coco yeah. like i'd i'd if i mean if we had another category gun to a knife fight like runner up i'd be like coco there like really deliver what are you doing there <laughs> really? yeah coco let's, mean, like, let's give coco the, the win then you can't just walk out with the bones <laughs> <laughs> do you know how many die. ways he could have said that <laughs> The MVP of the film, to me, I don't know if you're going to, is, thank God this is good science fiction because there's so much terrible science fiction out there. So I thought the MVP of this film was science fiction in general. I thought it's like, thank thank you for advancing the cause and it just not be another whatever type film. That's all mm-hmm. I could think of. That's mm-hmm. my MVP. Yeah. Deacons. I, you were going to say that. I, I think Villeneuve. Yeah. Like, just awesome, man. You can watch that movie... Um, without knowing anything language wise. Like you can you could watch that. It passes the foreign language test. Mm. You could watch a film in its entirety and not understand yeah. the dialogue and still get a lot out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I've got I'm I'm good. Good here. All right. Thank you everyone. Uh have a great have a great evening. And a great twenty twenty. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. Happy New Year. Have a great twenty twenty. Thank you.